702. Political analysis. Professor Zuelinzi Mandevu um, is of is from Stellenbosch University School of Leadership, and he joins me now on the line to you know, to give us a sense of uh, how to understand uh, the goings on over the weekend at the ANC's um, manifesto launch. And he joins me now, Prof. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me, and good evening to you and your listeners. So we've seen recent polls suggesting that. It is possible uh, that the ANC may lose its poll position. In other words, of having a a majority of the votes, they may be seen to go under fifty percent uh, of the vote. Uh, is this still realistically the the trajectory for the ANC, uh, following what seems to have been a very very well supported manifesto launch on uh, on Saturday? We would remember that when uh, President Ramaphosa took over or a few years ago, mm. people were very despondent of the ruling party, its leaders, because they seemed to be leaders that did not care or did not appreciate what was happening on the ground, where people had uh, unemployment, crime was rife, and social ills were the highest. And when he took over, there was some glimpse of hope that the ASC has... Uh, reinvented itself and it will deliver on the services but over the years unemployment has increased poverty has increased the economy is declining and so forth and so forth and therefore people are very unhappy the the fact that you have filled the stadium over the weekend does not necessarily Mm. translate to vote Uh, i think some of the polls still stands around where they talk about the anc being going to decline in these uh, coming elections and probably get below what they have received in the previous elections besides the lack of service delivery besides poor governance in certain uh situations i mean we've just had a conversation now with an expert about uh, the power situation in the country besides all of that the anc however still enjoys quite a lot of support uh why is this given all of the disappointments even uh the anc leadership itself sometimes stands up and says listen we we've made some mistakes and so forth they never actually tell us what those mistakes are from their perspective but be that as it may, the ANC still enjoys significant um, uh, support in South Africa. Why is that? Uh, and I'm asking this in the context of all of the uh, of, of the of the mishaps that the ANC has seen in its 30 year, maybe not 30 year, but maybe the last 20 years of its governance. Um, why is it that it continues to enjoy such such support? I think, Aubrey, it's mostly due to our history. You will remember that we have a history of oppression. We have a history of uh, suppression of people's views and voices. And the ANC has been seen as that voice of reason that has brought rights that ordinarily South Africans never had. People who are voting then reflects on that, at least in the past elections, because the majority of them have lived through that particular era. And as a result of that, they would say, while there are challenges with the ANC, while they see there's a decline in the quality of leadership and so forth and so forth, but they would, their fallback position 
would always be that better the devil you know mm-hmm. than the devil you don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 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 I suppose that that reasoning is one that we might um, we might be underestimating, uh, given the fact that with all of its troubles, with all of the problems, you still see uh, a lot of people still very very. Uh, supportive of the ANC, is this perhaps a signal perhaps to South Africans to say uh, perhaps the ANC is not yet done? I think certainly the rural votes, the ANC would really certainly retain them because the people in the rural areas, you'd know many of them, there are no opportunities. Many of them are underdeveloped and they depend solely on government for development and service, especially for basic services. But in urban areas, as we have seen in the previous elections, if you take Houting, for example, people are starting to ask difficult questions. People are starting to look at the quality of leadership. And I'm, I'm certain that a trend would continue in these upcoming elections where they would ask questions around what have you done previously? Have you been able to look after the interest of the community? Have you been able to fulfill the promises that you've made? And I think people would be judged on that. And whoever would then be given votes, would be given votes solely on their track records and no other sentimental value. Are there specific issues that are going to drive the way people vote in this year's election? You know, are there specific issues? I'm thinking here about issues such as Eskom and the power situation. I know that the issue of the borders and the immigration issues is one that has over time become a big discussion point in South Africa's politics. But are there issues that the ANC is going to have to address in the minds of South Africans and debate and discuss uh, uh, that are going to be a decider as to whether uh, South Africans are going to vote for them or not? Or is this yet another issue of, I don't know, personality politics? Um, you know, are there any real issues that are going to be discussed in this year's election? I think as a country, we certainly passed uh, the personality uh, vote. I think uh, they are issue-driven. People decide on who to vote for depending on the issues. I certainly think that there are issues that uh, people would look at and see whether a political party, especially ANC in this case, has a program of action to address some of those challenges. The issue of uh, the declining economy, unemployment, uh, industries that do not provide opportunities. Those are questions going to be asked around what are you going to do differently from what you have done in the last 30 years or 20 years at least. And uh, the issue around crime, which I thought would be on top of the president's uh, agenda when he talked about the six priorities. That is going to be an important thing that people are going to ask. People cannot live freely in their neighborhoods because of uh, criminals that are terrorizing them. Those are questions that people are going to look at. Uh, the president talked about uh, employment programs within our streets, corners, and he said every place in South Africa, they would create opportunities for employment. But people are asking, are these uh, really decent jobs or are these stopgap jobs? Those are the questions that are really going to be asked. Uh, perhaps people are going to also ask, 
is the 2.5 billion jobs sufficient in five years? I think those will be the uh, deciding issues. The issue of cost of living, how do you tackle it? How do you ensure that the drop, the prices are brought down? Or the ordinary people, the poorest of the poor, are cushioned around these high inflations and so forth and so forth. I think those are issues that are going to be really yeah. um, uh, the deciding factor. Do you think that these issues will require debate in the public space where South Africans will be able to hold political parties? And, and now I'm asking a general question. Uh, the DA had their manifesto launched last week and uh, Prior to that, we, prior to that was the EFF's, uh, uh, launch. And all of these parties have given, uh, promises. Some call them commitments. Uh, do you think that these political parties will be in a position to debate these issues with the electorate? And is the electorate, uh, in your opinion, ready to debate these issues in a way that is going to, uh, make them either decide to or to or not vote for a particular political party? I, as an ordinary citizen, would certainly hope that there will be an opportunity for me to engage with politicians together as to whether they are really convincing how committed are they in these manifestos that they talk to. Uh, Also, seeing politicians engage each other around what would be the best plan for this country. Now they are talking uh, past each other in the different manifestos mm-hmm. uh, that they present. But one would see a coherent plan. Uh, we all agree, we know what our challenges are, but I think we don't seem to agree as to what are the priorities, what are the first things that we need to resolve. And I would like to see politicians engaging amongst each other and engaging the public around that. Uh, there's certainly an issue about uh, civic education. Uh, the general members of the public, some of them might not be able to engage and hold politicians accountable. And that's something that worries one in these 30 years of democracy, that you still have communities that are not able to meaningfully engage with those that they've elected to represent them and ensure that they get services. And I think that's something that we need to pass that. And the IEC has a responsibility here to educate our people, not close to the election, but they should have a program between elections that ensure that when we come to a time like this of elections, our communities are ready to engage with politicians meaningfully. Um, Pisa Amalgamated Project says, uh, good evening, Braobza. There's no such thing that the ANC still commands massive support. Those numbers at Moses Mabida Stadium might as well be just poor citizens who went there for free food entertainment, including the free tips from uh, different pro- uh, different pro- provinces. Don't forget, most poor citizens even frequent funerals and weddings just for food. So those numbers won't be expected to calculate. Now, I suppose I agree with that, um, P- P. Caesar. Uh, and for me, the significant support from the ANC, for the ANC isn't necessarily, as you heard the prof say, isn't necessarily because, uh, a stadium was filled. I think that the stadiumology thing is very deceptive if, uh, if, and it cannot be relied upon. But I, I believe that the ANC still enjoys a lot of support. For example, somebody by the name of Sweetheart says, Aubrey, better the ANC than a coalition government. I would rather vote for the useless. ANC says, sweetheart, look at those uh, sentiments, Prof, and tell me whether uh, they give a particular pattern in the way that you analyze the way that the politics of this country will unfold uh, up to the 29th of May. 
I certainly agree uh, to a certain extent with the first uh, uh, comment, the person who commented there around uh, the issue of uh, people attending stadiums or rallies or even meetings. Yeah. That does not necessarily translate into votes. I mean, some of the people are conversed and they, on the day of the election, they don't show up in the sure. votes go and vote. So, and the second one, I think the syndrome that I talked about, the better the devil that I know than the one that I don't, mm. uh, it's what sweetness suffers from mm. and many of uh, South Africans suffer from. Uh, it is not critically understanding that your vote, uh, the decision that you take is a decision that you're going to live with for the next five years. And once we critically analyze that and understand that, we'll be able to do the right thing. I want to talk a little bit about opposition parties and opposition politics in South Africa. The ANC has in many ways performed very dismally in its ability to manage state resources, in its ability to uh, to deliver services and so forth. But the opposition parties of the Republic of South Africa seem unable or have been unable to capitalize on the gaffes, on the failures of the ANC. Talk to me about the opposition in South Africa. Are they equal to the task of, one, um, politically fighting against the behemoth that the ANC has been over the last, I don't know, 30 years? Uh, Do they have political arguments, programs that would be able to change the minds of South African uh, uh, voters? Uh, And what are those issues you believe would be able to uh, move the needle, as it were, in terms of the change in the direction of uh, voters in South Africa? I think that the biggest challenge with the opposition party, from my point of view, is that they do not have the appeal. Uh, They do not bring a distinctly different perspective to what the ANC brings to the table. And that's what uh, becomes an advantage to the ANC, is the fact that you find that many of their manifestos, many of their programs are really aligned, except for slight differences, are really talking the same language as the ANC. One of the disadvantages that many of them, except perhaps for DA and the IFP, for example, is that they've never governed, they've never run serious institution, provincial or national government for that matter. And that uh, people question their ability to be able to do that. When we give them this responsibility, would they do better than the ANC or would they do worse than the ANC? I think that's the question that is always asked. If you take, for example, a political party like the EFF, that party really appeals to young people. But uh, I don't think they have uh, the charisma uh, to persuade people to get to the voting station and vote. And that's the critical component. You could be popular, you could be saying the right thing, but you remember in a democratic system, you need to ensure that the full value chain of democracy, which is even getting people to the voting station, does happen. And if you don't do that, then uh, your politics will be politics of, of popularism and not get people to a point where you are given an opportunity to govern. Let's look at the two main opposition parties, the Democratic Alliance uh, and the EFF. The Democratic Alliance coming out of the tradition of liberal, uh, white liberal South African politics, um, having 
uh, absorbed uh, some sections of the former National Party. Uh, the same is true, by the way, for the ANC, that they also absorbed yeah. certain um, uh, groups that came from the National Party. Uh, there are a lot of similarities in that sense between the ANC and the DA. Uh, what is it that the DA seems to be missing in terms of appeal? Uh, it has governed. It seems to be governing in, 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 uh, in the Western Cape in ways that challenge the general narrative that says um, that that uh, there's bad governance. What is it that they are missing? What is it that the DA seems to be missing in their quest to try and appeal to the South African voter? I think that DA has certainly distinguished itself as um, a voice for those who have the haves, uh, and it has failed to uh, to uh, combine its programs to talk to the voice of the voiceless, the voice of the poorest of the poor. You would see that uh, even the reflection of the party does not reflect the majority of our people, especially at the top echelon of uh, leadership. Uh, they have tried. I think there were a number of instances where they came close to be one of the parties that are true representative of our demographic graphics in the country. But over the years, they have regressed in terms of that. And I think that's the question that always linger on the DA, even if they come with very good programs. But people are asking the question as to can we trust them to what point? And I think they have to work on that. And uh, there seems to be no appetite to work on that, but to retain uh, their traditional uh, vote. Then if you think about the EFF, um, the EFF, uh, I I think uh, one of the exciting things was that you see young people wanting to take the center stage, one people wanting to take control of their destination. But I do think that in a manner that sometimes they raise issues radically, uh, as young people would always do, does not resonate with the older generation. And that's where uh, the challenge is. You need some balancing act. You need to be able to understand that while you lead uh, the majority of people that are young people, but these young people do not vote. Actually, the people that are still committed I still understand the importance of going and voting are actually the older generation. And maybe this time around, young people would also uh, uh, respond to that son's call of going to the polling votes. I don't know. Uh, But clearly the EFF does not resonate with the older generation, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in the middle class. Uh, I think the poor, they have captured that uh, uh, vote, I think. But the middle class are still doubtful of them. There are obviously new parties arising uh, um, that have caught the attention of, I suppose, elect- the electorate parties such as uh, Mr. Herman Mashaba's Action SA, uh, Mr. Songhez Ozibi's Arise, uh, Arise SA, uh, and many other smaller parties that have uh, made uh, an entrance. Uh, older smaller parties like the UDM, the ATM, and 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 maybe to a larger extent the IFP uh, and the ANC's biggest nemesis, at least in uh, Wazulu Natal, the the newly launched MK party. Uh, what role do you think that they are going to play? The, the smaller parties uh, are they going to play a significant role in terms of coalitions? Uh, how do we understand these smaller parties? 
we must also remember that uh, there's also going to be independent candidates as well indeed indeed of course yeah this coming election so that's going to be very interesting i think the smaller parties to go back to your question are really uh, in my view many of them making no attempts to win the majority of the vote they want to be uh, a power yeah kingmakers yes many of them are aiming for that Rather, you see, uh, I think we we are fortunate in the sense that you have a very experienced and some very successful business people trying to venture into politics. But politics are different from business yeah. uh, in a sense that you need to have the popular vote. And if you don't have that, you might have a grand, you might have a business plan that makes sense. But if it does not resonate with the majority of the people that are going to vote, that plan would not give you enough votes. And I think that's what they're aiming for. They're aiming to be influential in provinces such as Gauteng. Uh, uh, they, that, that's, I think that's their aim in my view, which brings a different dynamic where people are no longer happy with the bigger parties can actually go to the smaller parties to ensure that they reduce the uh, the power and the leverage that the bigger parties might have. Uh, in KwaZulu Natal, there are new dynamics with this new kid on the block led by former President Zuma. Mm. Mm. But what has become very clear to me, it is that it is becoming a regional party by day. Mm. Every day uh, when you see their activities and when you see their engagement, even the leadership of that party, including President Zuba, makes no attempt to address national issues. You hear when they address people, they prefer to address them in Isis Zulu, uh, and they also prefer to raise local issues rather than uh, looking at the national issues. And I think it would become a regional party. It appears that 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 is the way things are going. So, for example, uh, some people are arguing that the DA is beginning to rise as a regional party that is going to focus mostly on the Western Cape. And then, of course, parties such as the IFP and maybe even MK will focus on a region such as uh, Wazulu Natal. Is there room for that kind of politics, do you you think, uh, Prof? Or, Or... or would they be advised to look for a, a, a more national presence? The ideal situation is that all role players in the political space should look at the national footprint. And it's because really of our past where there were segregations and there were also what we call the former homelands where mm-hmm. people will default and fall back to the provinces that they are from. But I certainly see that phenomenon that you're talking about. Uh, the DA, for example, I think they have settled to being in a regional party and in the Western Cape because they put more resources, they put more effort in retaining that province rather than expanding to other parts of the world and uh, of the country, sorry. And you see that clearly in the campaign strategies, in the programs that they bring before, uh, in the launch of the IMF to Festo, although it was launched in a different province, mm. but it really talked to regional issues. And you can see that uh, their focus is really retaining the Western Cape, consolidating in the Western Cape, and they are not worried much about other areas. There's talk of uh, a possible exit or cessation by some parties in the Western Cape. And recently I've been hearing from some people within the MK uh, party also talking a similar language of uh, seceding from the rest of the Republic of South Africa. Is that something that is 
a reality in the foreseeable future in South Africa where uh, certain provinces start to opt out of the very idea of being a republic of South Africa that is uh, that has uh, nine provinces. Uh, would the people in KwaZulu-Natal who are pushing for that kind of idea or the people in the Western Cape who are pushing for that idea, is that a reality that exists in the future some, somehow? I think this uh, issue is really people who are short-sighted, who are people who are thinking about the challenges now and do not think about the future. You would remember that we are a country that shares the resources among the different provinces. And I don't think a single province would be able to cope on its own without the support of uh, uh, the other provinces or the country. If you look at the movement of people, for example, many of us as relatives in more than one province. And as a result, we go to events, either funeral weddings, on a weekendly basis. It would make that movement a bit difficult. It will separate us uh, from uh, people that we are related to or people that we uh, are born with. Uh, so I don't think that is something that we would uh, go to. I certainly hope and don't think it would happen. Uh, it would also take us back to our former homelands who would have, uh, ultimately, the South African government would have to support all those smaller countries uh, if they do happen, uh, as you would see with Lesotho currently and Swaziland, for example. Are we going to have a free and fair elections come the 29th of, of May, Prof? I, I, I do think, looking at our track record, uh, in the past uh, six elections or so, we have had free and fair elections. There were incidents, of course. Uh, it's not without incident. But I've never heard, even from the political parties, saying the elections are not free and fair, ultimately. So I suspect, even in these ones, they would be fair and fair. I'm, I'm saying this because already, particularly the smaller parties are, uh, saying that uh, the IEC is disadvantaging them uh, and they're looking for the elongation of the cut-off date uh, for, um, for, for registration and so forth. And some have suggested that if that isn't done, then the election, election will, be, will not be free and fair. Um, how do you make, uh, what do you make of that sort of statement? I certainly, I think that uh, uh, there was a big drive in terms of... Uh, a registration more could have been done by the ISC in my view and that did not happen uh, but other than that i don't think that we can base on that and say the elections would not be free and fair we certainly should be saying how do we ensure that we assist the IEC as political parties to ensure that it drives a program that uh, encourages people to go to the polling station and vote in their numbers. You would, in any country, in any democracy, while you have a, a pool of people that are eligible to vote, but not all of them would vote on the election day. And I certainly don't expect in South Africa that everyone who's eligible to vote would vote. Professor Zulinzi Mandevo, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, uh, Stellenbosch University, from the Stellenbosch University of Leadership, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much.